You're listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls, hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the girl expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girl's Corner. Hi, everyone. I'm Hannah, and I'm here with Idell. Hey. And today we're welcoming Grace Hennigan to the podcast. Hi. Grace works with us at Girl Scouts as a program resource specialist, creating curriculum and resources that support troop leaders, leading projects and committees, and doing other cool behind-the-scenes work. But today we're here to talk to Grace about the thing she's most passionate about, the outdoors. Grace is joining us today as an expert with tons of experience in the field of outdoor education, specifically wilderness trips and expeditions. And she wants to connect those things to things like gender, feminism, identity, and the environment. Grace, welcome to Girl Talk. Thank you. <laughs> we're excited to have you here. Yeah, we're really glad to have you here. I'm excited to be here. I remember when you first started like at Girl Scouts and then you like paused to go on like yeah. a crazy <laughs> awesome wilderness trip. And we were all like... Like, oh my gosh, so we, cool. But also, like, we liked her. Why did she leave so fast? Yeah. <laughs> Just in and out. <laughs> but now you're back, so it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Let's get started. Kind of set, like, set some background, mm -hmm. let people know kind of what experience you have. So tell us how you got into guiding trips and, like, how did you get introduced to it? What made you fall in love with it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I got into guiding by being a camper at a YMCA camp in northern Minnesota, mm -hmm. YMCA camp Wagon. So when I was growing up, I was not, I wouldn't consider myself as a child super outdoorsy. Like I liked to swim and I played softball, like yeah. very much um, like front country outdoorsy. And mm -hmm. then my brother went to this camp and I was like, I want to be like my brother. That's so cool. So I just <laughs> went. I had no idea what I was getting into. Like, it's kind yeah. of shocking that I loved it because like I had no idea. And so yeah. at 16, I went on a seven day Quetico trip, I had like no gear. I used my dad's rain jacket. Like <laughs> yeah. one morning I woke up and my sleeping bag was soaked because the rain fly was open and it rained. Oh, no. Like, it was just, like all these things to be like, wow. And I like totally loved it. And then was asked to go on one of their advanced trips, which is a 25 day canoe trip in the Quetico and the Crownlands, which is an area north of the Quetico. That's a and big it, deal. Yeah, That's it was a cool. big deal. I was kind of yeah. like, oh, I was invited. Like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I was like, whoa, I didn't, like, I did well. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it seems like I had fun, but like, I had no idea how to canoe. Like, yeah. you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing and it was so fun and joyous and challenging and it felt, you know, like when you, you know, when you have an experience where you're like, oh, this is, like, I fit in here. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. totally, like, it was one of those moments. And yeah. so, I went back for the 25-day trip as a 17-year-old. I mean, that trip was incredibly difficult and, like, totally, like, bro broke me down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and built me, you know, a break and build, as you will. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think for me as a 17-year-old, kind of figuring out that post-high school experience, being a 17-year-old, kind of figuring out that I was, like, a closeted, like, Gay, like, like yeah. all, yeah. all like all these things that were like ah yeah, yeah. what do I do? That's yeah. a lot of stuff. It's, it's a lot <laughs> to, like of stuff. happened to you in the mm -hmm. wilderness with this group of people. Oh it, yeah, and I wasn't yeah. like out in that. Like I wasn't like out for a while then, but just like having these sort of very intense experiences that were like incredibly empowering and then I just like kept going back because it felt it just felt so good and I yeah. felt like I was building a community. It was 
a type of experience that was really independent of my family and of my friend mm. group. And so yeah. it's like, oh, this is mine. Like, I'm not doing this because it's what like my friends at home are doing. I'm not yeah. doing this because it's what is expected of me. It's actually not that it wasn't encouraged. Like it was totally, I was being, like my parents were totally encouraging me, but it wasn't like, this thing where they're like, you have to do it's this. Not, yeah, it's not like school. It's not like a no. certain extracurriculars where no, your no, parents yeah. are like, you got to do this for college or whatever. <laughs> exactly. yeah. 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 It was like, oh, you want to do this? And I was like, sure. Yeah, this is fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'm going to like not shower for a month and like, like be like, like super dirty and yeah. like swim and like carry super heavy things through the woods. Like, yeah. what? This is awesome. Yeah. It's like everything I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kept doing that. And then sort of that programming ends with this really big 40-day Arctic expedition. Yeah. So I did that after my freshman year of college. So I was yeah. a little bit older. 40 days. 40 days. So yeah. Long. The session total probably was like 45, but we were like camping for eh, probably like 38 to 40. I don't remember fully mm-hmm. the like exact number. And so, yeah. And so that was a trip that was really, again, like really difficult, a lot of challenges, but I also like learned a lot. I mean, it. you build a lot of resiliency. You learn a lot about your own like mental and physical strength and you rely on your body in ways that for me was like super empowering and helpful to be like, oh wait, like I'm super strong or like, wow, like I need to like, like listen to myself when I'm tired and like it's it's one of those things that I think it's really hard to do. Um, So I did that like after my freshman year of college and then like applied to work and like got the job. Yeah. <laughs> and so then started leading trips for them in 2013 when I was 20 mm-hmm. after my sophomore year of college. And yeah. so that just kind of ignited this whole, like essentially like career passion. It led to, I mean, going on these trips as a a teenager led to like where I went to college, um, where I went to college provided a ton of opportunities to like build my skills, to meet a lot of other women, a lot of other queer people who are also in the outdoors that I wasn't really seen in other spaces. And then also then led me to go on some pretty significant personal expeditions and then kind of brought me to the Girl Scouts in a way too. Yeah. yeah. And to Minneapolis. So kind of paved the way to my life. And you went to Northland College. Yes. I went to Northland in Ashland, Wisconsin. Um, It's a small um, environmental folk. I mean- I think when I went there, it was like more environmentally, like environmental liberal arts. I think now it's, that's a part of it, but it's not like coined. Yeah, not, you right. know, I don't yeah. want to give a false advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're changing a little bit. A little bit, but like, it's, yeah, yeah highly recommend different. if you're looking for, for schools and want a small community and mm-hmm. in the North Woods and kind of just play around in the snow and in the forest. It, yeah. Like, superior. Yeah, like superior. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it was a really unique experience. I don't like competitive learning environments. I'm not, I like a balance of education and and personal life and in that place was that. And mm-hmm. so it allowed me to both build my interpersonal skills of like facilitation and mediation and things like that. But then also a lot of my technical skills and like honing those skills happened at at school in like pretty formal educational environments, which is like yeah. really cool and unique to have yeah. this outdoor classroom experience with Widgie. Um, but then also to be at Northland and me taking like 
an upper level like wilderness instructor training in Maine. Like yeah. like things like yeah. that are like pretty cool and rad. Yeah, and to have that be on Super your cool yeah. college transcript. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> is and awesome. We, I think so we have that in common. I studied outdoor ed at UMD and I I knew coming in that like I came in as pre outdoor ed, which not a lot of people do. Yeah. Because I I just I'm not very good at school. I'm not good at math. I everything was really intimidating when I was picking majors and I I was looking at the options and my dad was like wait you can like major in like working at camp and i was <laughs> like oh cool then i read the courses and got so excited and i had like such great professors and we would you know we started out right off the bat with outdoor skills where we're like going winter camping yeah. for school and then i was taking like graduate level field interpretation classes on isle royal and people were like wait like you do that for school. Yeah. And it's so cool. I think a lot of yeah. people don't know that that stuff exists. Like, you know, about environmental science and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. And I think it also can be like incredibly healing to take those classes coming from a more like traditional classroom that if yeah. you're not a certain, if you don't learn a, uh, like a certain type yeah. of way or if you are struggling etc mm -hmm. that then you go to a classroom that the goal is to meet you where you're at and to yeah. like help you thrive and what that means to you is so liberating like yeah. I I I majored in gender and women's studies but took a lot of outdoor ed classes and I remember my senior year I like finished my fall semester taking a lot of upper level sociology classes and doing infant study like all this like very intense very specific type of school and of like research and it just you know feeling like burnt out of like oh yeah. wow like shouldn't I be liking this yeah <laughs> like, this is what I chose <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like I like I liked it but it yeah it also was a having a toll and then my second semester of my senior year I took a ton of outdoor ed classes mm -hmm. and it was like so restorative and so empowering to like come in being like, wow, I'm leaving. The, I mean, I was still taking classes for my major. I had to take my thesis or whatever, yeah. but to take this like intro to outdoor ed and then this like wilderness writers and philosophers and yeah. Wilderness philosophy was my favorite class. Like how can that be a class? <laughs> it was I mean, great. We just like read Conrad Richter books and wrote papers about it and like wrote papers about how you know, moose and wolves are working together on yes, Isle yeah, Royale. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is my, this, this is, is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I <laughs> took it with like two of my um, good friends and we, we would just, I think everyone else in the class didn't really like us. Because <laughs> we, we would like band together and be like, um, this person's sexist. So like, yeah. we don't like them. And I think they were like, oh, I really liked it. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> we're like, Burn it. Yeah. <laughs> in. Uh -huh. Probably a little bit um, intense, but yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of male writers yeah. in that, and and just I don't know. You can feel a lot of feelings about how they're interacting with the wilderness, but then you're like, oh, some of this is really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who is this for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is this for? Like, I'm confused. Like, mm. what? Like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I love that you talk about how you fit into that space and like mm -hmm. that type of education fit you. I mean, I think that's really important. I don't know. I, I felt the same way where I like got A's in all of my outdoor ed classes and then I yeah. got C's in like all of my generals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it made me feel like I had picked the right thing. So like it's cool to know that you fit. Oh, definitely. In that like, space. Oh, I'm good at school. Yeah. <laughs> like right? I like, yeah, like I like in high school I was like, yeah, this is like fine. Like I don't feel super 
empowered are super good at this. And then to like be in college and be like, oh, I found the thing that I feel good about. And it's being taught in a way that like makes sense to me. And I can, I feel empowered to also then fail more. You know, like it's like like when Mm -hmm. you feel like you are a part of it, then you take more risks and you like are more confident. You're speaking to put, my language. Yeah, like you know this. That's <laughs> yeah. what it is, right? You like, yeah. there's more opportunity to have those like really incredible successful failures that are like crucial, I think, in an education setting, which is why I love outdoor and environmental education so much because it allows that and something that I was super drawn to, to just have that fluidity and flexibility, but then also bring in my like gender studies background and be like, this is all related. Like, how can we move forward with it? Yeah. 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 So Hannah has this in common with us too. She has, she is an outdoor educator. I mean, she's a camp director. Yeah. And also has a degree in environmental science. So I do. Yeah. Yeah. And anthropology. So kind of similar, like taking that human element Mm -hmm. and thinking about it within the environment. I don't have a ton of like wilderness trip experience. And like, actually I think there's some contrast too with our stories. Like, the traditional education setting works great for me. I've always been like the type of person who really likes that stuff. But then I got really excited about how you could fold in that education mm-hmm. into like into the outdoors. And when I was in college, I worked for like a nonprofit that brought kids from the city into the outdoors and like taught them concepts they needed to know for yeah. their science, like standardized testing. But we did it outside and it was just really like impactful and exciting to do that and like to translate the thing that I like to do, which is kind of read and (laughs) take notes into a space where it was more about, you know, experiencing it in person. So I got to ask, do you have a like a favorite trip or like a couple favorite trips? Like as a guide, as a participant? Either one. Maybe Mm -hmm. one from each. One from each. Yeah, Yeah. one from each. Oh, that's so hard because they're all so great and like challenging and all their very unique ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, like they're everything is every time it's it's different. different. Yeah. yeah. And you're with mm-hmm. different people and sometimes you're doing a different route than you did before. Or sometimes you do the same. Like there are definitely some routes in the Boundary Waters have done like seven times and probably wouldn't need a, a map to do, which is like really cool. I yeah. Think, yeah. Like yeah. I think it's that cool. it's I think it's like pretty awesome to go to a place multiple times and like challenge yourself to have that be like joyous instead of a chore yeah you know (laughs) yeah yeah I mean as a participant a trip I did after graduating um, high school it was a 30-day river expedition um, with Widgee we did the bright sand Allen water Kapka rivers which I think is in Ontario and Manitoba. Maybe it's just in Ontario, but essentially it's a chain of rivers that you follow downstream. There's some white water added into it and you end on Lake Nipigon, Mm -hmm. which is a really beautiful big lake in Canada that then eventually flows into Lake Winnipeg. And that trip was so, it was a trip that it was kind of like my first wilderness expedition that had like type one fun. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a lot of different types of fun that you can have. Type fun is when you're like, oh yeah, this is fun. And then type two is like, you, it was fun. It's like fun the next day, which a lot of the trips prior to that was happening and not, Mm -hmm. not in any like negative ways or to make those experiences any less, but it's 
really different to in the moment be like, oh, this is really fun mm-hmm. and hard instead of being like, oh, this is really hard. And then you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, yeah, that was kind of fun. Even, <laughs> yeah. though, I, yeah. even though I cried oh, on the portage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. I feel like I have a lot of type two fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. useful to think about for yeah. sure because you might be in the moment being sort of like, Oh boy! This is <laughs> like, oh, I wish I was really, at home. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. hard, miserable. You're like wet, sweaty, yeah. tired, it's whatever hailing. that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then it still gives you that like satisfaction the next morning. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is, yeah, this was fun. I've definitely had experiences like that. <laughs> yeah. Too. yeah, it happens a lot with like traveling, I where this, like yeah. travel is hard and you're yeah. like frustrated and sad sometimes and then the next day you like look at your pictures in your phone and you're like oh yesterday was so nice <laughs> remember when we did that that was awesome yeah that was awesome I even though like, like before that photo you're like we both were crying yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just wearing sunglasses you can't tell, <laughs> you can't tell. i mean crying is cool i think yeah. you should like put crying it out there like crying is good for you yeah, yeah. But- <laughs> so on that trip you were saying you had like type one fun it was like in the moment you yeah knew it i was think fun and, yeah, yeah there there was more i mean the, the other trips had that too but i think the challenge there are things it was just it was more smooth and fun and to, i mean too i think that being said also like things like our route and the weather i mean we also had like a lot of things working with us of, yeah. like the weather was near perfect like yeah. so you're like near yeah. which is a yeah. huge thing like I don't remember being necessarily windbound our group got along like really well in a way that's kind of mm-hmm. like is this real like how <laughs> yeah. is this you know because you have a bunch of random kids together yeah. there's so many different personalities and interests and backgrounds and skill level that sometimes it works really well and sometimes it can be like really hard yeah so you were lucky on that trip <laughs> yeah yeah there I was- think that yeah there there's some luck the stars aligned in a yeah. certain way. Yeah. So that trip was was really fun. And then as like as a guide, that's so hard. It's really honestly, it's really hard to choose a favorite trip as a guide because the moment I'm like, oh, maybe this one, a different one pop. Which I think is yeah. good. Like it's yeah. like I think that's a good thing to be like, oh, there are a lot that feel like really good. I think that one that like really was like was a lot of fun, but also was like incredibly like pivotal to me was my first long solo-led trip. So at Wiji, all of the advanced trips are solo-led. They're not, co- like, trips before that are usually, like, co-led with two guides. Yeah. It's also single-gendered, and so to an extent. And then, yeah, and so then my, like, first solo-led trip, which was a 25-day trip in Quetico and the Crownlands, was this moment of, like, oh, whoa. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, yeah. it's yeah. awesome to, like, have... To have this balance or, or I mean, really try and, and work to have this balance of like being a leader and a mentor and kind of really having to trust myself because I am the only guide yeah. and like recognizing mistakes and having an appropriate level of trust with my group who are like 16 year olds and yeah. sort of like how can I, you know, work to give them the tools to be leaders and build their skills, but also not have it too much where I have I have like stepped back too much yeah. and then there's not enough guiding involved yeah. or not mm-hmm. enough risk management or safety, things like that. And yeah. so that trip was, I learned so much just through things that I was like, oh, I wish I would have done that. Or like really incredible feedback that I received from my campers, like in check-ins who were like, hey, like you need to like let us do more. And you're like, you're right. <laughs> I yeah. do. Like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you're so right. Thank you. Like what yeah. a gift to get that feedback. And so that trip was like, such a pivotal moment of like, oh, I want to do more of this. I want to, 
I want to lead that next trip after that. I mean, it was a thing going in. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to want to continue. I mean, that's yeah, right. a pretty big step to be by yourself for that long yeah. and to manage a lot of different stuff. And after that trip, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm, I want to, I want to be this in the long haul. Like I want to, I want to like try and work my way through the progression and working with this like year of campers and to like really build my skill. I think too, that I was leading that trip after graduating from college and after going on a um, month long expedition with Northland and Maine doing a lot of white water that like totally kicked my butt (laughs) and like totally taught me a lot of humility and like put me in my place Um, (laughs) which was a great lesson although now this is an example of maybe type two type three of like now I'm like wow what a learning moment in the moment I was like oh this sucks (laughs) (laughs) I chose this over Italy (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) but it was like a really great moment to like I think to really teach me more just I think I have a lot of love for Widgie but also Widgie is a place that has a very specific type of way to do tripping. And so to get other experiences outside of that and just to learn all the different type of ways and to really yeah. like, oh no, like this place is it one way, but doesn't mean that it's the only way to do tripping or expeditions. And yeah. to like learn that is, I think, pretty exceptional and also helps you build your skills better. I think if you if you branch out mm-hmm. yeah. because there's so many different ways to do expeditions yeah. in just in the world. I mean, like so many people do it in different ways or different yeah. environments that you do it in. Different skills work for different regions. There isn't necessarily like the most universal. Yeah. Like th- like how I would paddle here is probably not how I would paddle like in Texas. You know, the, like yeah. there's mm-hmm. certain things that you need to adjust and learn depending on the environment you're in and depending on the type of water that you are in for safety. And so that 25-day trip was a huge moment and be like, oh yeah, this is like, I'm sure looking back now, like, my God, I wish I would have done that better. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause that's like the, that's what you get. I mean, that's yeah. learning, right? Yeah. That's, but that, yeah, I would say is one of the, one of the top for that's sure. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So kind of relatedly, you were just sort of talking about like different preparation, different yeah. skills for different trips, different locations. You know, there's a lot of risk that comes yes, with these yeah. types of trips. And and we know, like, we're all on board with with calculated risks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Not random risks, no. calculated yeah. risks. Yeah. So, and I know, like, just from working at camp, working with some wilderness trips, that it requires a lot of preparation. It comes with a lot of challenges. So, like, talk about how do you sort of prepare for the risk on a trip? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so both guiding and the personal trips that I've been a part of. I am a wilderness first responder. Um, So that is a medical training that I've had, I think, since I was a freshman in college. I took it down, which is sweet. And so it's Mm -hmm. a three-year training. I highly recommend it. I I think there is a... I think you have to be 18 or have like a parent signature if you're 16 to do it. But if you're in that age range... And you're interested in doing more like risky outdoor experiences, I would recommend looking into a woofer or a woofa, which is just the first aid version. <laughs> woofa. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think. And it's pretty intense training. It's, it's intense. Yeah. Like you will, like you they will fail you. Stuff. They don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is good yeah. because you, you're given a lot. I mean, the more training you have, the more responsibility you have. And that's yeah. something to not take lightly. Um, so, yeah. So having my wilderness first responder training is a great way to 
understand and navigate what I in the field can do in terms of first aid, but also when do I know that this is beyond what I can do? And I think that gray area is really challenging and and something that is a really important skill in terms of like managing risk Mm -hmm. of being like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to recognize when like this is beyond your skill level. And that's a really important thing to know going into like and I mean, really anything in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very it's good to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. Widely, but especially in the outdoors, both if you're really remote or maybe you're going on a hike, like recognizing like, okay, like what is the risk? How can I prepare? Like you should always have a first aid kit. Mm-hmm. Always. Like there's no, you should always have a first aid kit. You should always know where you're going. You should always tell people where you're going. And like when you're expected to be back, you should always have a way to communicate. Either it's your phone or a satellite phone or, you know, whatever, like a spot locate. Like yeah. there's, there's, it's worth planning. And mm-hmm. so as a guide with Widgie and, and, or like with Northland, those experiences Um, Like I had someone who like my boss was someone who was also doing those logistics. So I would do some of those logistics, but also someone else's job. And then when I did, so I, in 2017, I canoed the Mississippi river. And so that was a change of now like, oh, like we, as this group, like we need to figure out all of our logistics. And so that is a huge added thing of like, okay, like we, some of us have these certifications, some of us don't like, how do we manage safety when it's when we're by ourselves or in a more high risk area but we're also kind of kind of in the front country sometimes so Mm -hmm. like navigating that and so also like if you're like interacting with water a ton like you or someone you're with should be a lifeguard um so that I usually did a wilderness water safety course so that's like an Mm -hmm. open water specific lifeguarding course so that you can learn to lifeguard at lakes, which is like really different than in a pool because yeah, you can't definitely. see in lakes. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, cold, and they're cold. And it's yeah. Windy and there's waves. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so many added things of lifeguarding on a lake is really different. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 Logs the Northern too. Pike. Yeah. All yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And too, like most of the rivers that I was paddling on were really cold. I mean, those were like pretty cold rivers. And so there's all these added elements of risk of, and two, like, you know, going on these rivers, I in the past have done like formal um, swift water rescue training. So that's like a river specific training in terms of running and facilitating whitewater. And so that is also pretty crucial to understand like how water moves is really different than on a lake. Mm -hmm. And some, there are some similarities when you're thinking about like big waves and things like that. So I think a part of planning is also understanding how your the environment that you're in works. Like, yeah. how do I navigate on a big lake? Like, how do I use land features? How do I, you know, like, mm-hmm. not a good idea to cross and really windy big waves do like a mile long cross. You know, just like kind of navigating like, okay, like what what is the risk that we're adding in? A um, instructor I've had uses... Um, the like analogy of like how many lemons can you stack is like how much risk you should add <laughs> yeah. to a situation, which is you shouldn't because yeah. <laughs> you can't stack lemons. And no, so yeah. this idea of like if you're running whitewater, that's one lemon. But if you're really hungry and it's at the end of the day, those are two lemons. How many can you stack? You, you can't. So yeah. Yeah. like you probably shouldn't run. That's it. a great analogy. Yeah. And it, it's yeah, a totally. great idea of like looking because at. 
It doesn't say no risk. Yeah. It just says yeah. manageable. Yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you are. I mean, you're One in risk. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. you are. Like going out there is a risk. Like you going into yeah. the backcountry, like that is an inherent risk mm-hmm. that you're in. Mm-hmm. And then when you add in weather, that's a risk. When you add in your skill level, that's a risk. Like if you are yeah. learning your skill, which is totally fine, but also I think there's a really good balance of being confident and empowered in what you're doing and also understanding where you're at. And that's a really difficult yeah. area to be into, to be like, okay, like, where is my skill? Like, am I equipped to do this? If so, awesome. If not, what do I need to do to get there? That, like, yeah, that's why I like our our trips that we have in Girl Scouts. Yeah. At least in our council, we have a progression. So, you know, you might start with, and we can start really like like small and then and then get really large. Yeah, so yeah. like we've got it now where you know you could start by just going to one of our camps where you do one night overnight and one cookout. And then you could do the one where you stay at camp and you do all your nights are out in a tent and you cook all your meals, but yeah. you're still at camp and you don't have to like pack everything up and that kind of thing. <laughs> and then you could do a 3-day yeah, wilderness yeah. trip and then a 6 and then an eight and, you know, and kind of build up your skills. And so that, that works kind of with your idea of the lemon, like yeah. based on your skill, you know, you know, I have this experience that, that allows me to like take the next step. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I yeah. think it's, it's good to, I think with that also not compare yourself with where someone else is at. Yeah. Like, I think it's really easy to be like, Oh, well, my friend is doing this thing. It's like, that's awesome for your friend like mm-hmm. that's so cool that they're doing it <laughs> yeah and also like if you're not ready for that that's okay too like I, yeah, I think yeah. it's it's really easy to feel like you have to measure up to everyone else instead of recognizing like am I ready for that like mm-hmm. would I be happy doing that and I think risk is a part of that to be like oh I shouldn't be like I should be focused on like what what my group where my group is at where I'm at not where like the other group that I'm yeah. in the session with is that like, I think it's yeah, really yeah. easy to be competitive with trips when you're like in a camp, but also I think like in the outside world too of, you know, everything has to be really cool and awesome and all the <laughs> yeah. time. And it's like, yeah. that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. also like good that it's not like that. Yeah, right. that like, it's what? not really what it's about. It's not what yeah. it's about. And also I think respecting where you're going is also being risk aware because mm-hmm. it's like, you don't just like, you don't have the right or like it's not yours to just go to like you're a visitor you're a tourist in a lot of ways and so yeah. part of respecting the environment you're going into is like treating it with care or the communities that like live there is like being risk aware because that's part of it that's part yeah. of going into the backcountry yeah. well and the thing that makes it worth it is like the growth opportunity yes. right yeah. especially like when you're working with teens like kind of the more risk and the like as long as you're there with the skills to support yeah. them, like the the growth opportunity is huge. So like that's why you take those risks. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You yeah. you know, you allow people to be in that challenge and learning zone. That's yeah. you, you know, if you're too comfortable, you're not gonna do a lot of learning. And if you're unsafe, there's definitely not being learning <laughs> happening, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like being in a risk, a risky environment that is well managed allows for that challenge and learning to happen and for that growth and resilience and navigating that and making sure you're in that 
is a lot of work and yeah. it's like really crucial because people should be feeling safe, but also challenged. And that's yeah. part of those expeditions. Yeah. That's what I really like about some of the stuff we do at camp even too. Like, you know, if a camper chooses to do kayaking or canoeing yeah. throughout the week, you know, they're learning different skills each day. And the big day is the tipping day. Where, yeah, where you learn yeah. how to safely tip and then correct your your boat and get back in. And there's some calculated risk there, right? Because if you've never done that before, it can feel a little bit scary mm-hmm. and, you know, big boat in yeah, the lake, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really cool to see people like persevere through that. And then campers get like an honor pin to show that. Wait, they, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, right? that's it's hard. I have done many. We call them <laughs> swim and swamps. I've done Many swim swamps where, yeah, you need to learn how to do, how to uncover a canoe and get back into it. Mm-hmm. And it is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I've done it probably like, I am trying, I probably have done it like 20 plus times. Yeah. And every time I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, ah. and I like, cause I always do it and I just like the next day covered in bruises. Like, yeah, it's, right. like it's, oh, yeah. it's cold. It's hard. Yeah. It's like, it can be really scary. I mean, the people you're with, it's like, okay, I don't want people to feel scared, but also we need to do this in case this happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's awesome that you all give people this like badge. Badge of honor. Badge yeah. of honor. Yeah. Cause it is yeah. like, that's <laughs> scary. And they totally persevered and did it and learned like a super necessary safety skill. Yeah. Because then you yeah. come out the other side and you're like, oh, I can do that. So you feel yeah. less worried about the risk going forward. Exactly. Yeah. And you need to know how to, the more practice you have, the more you're going to do it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, right. Yeah. Like you yeah. can explain like, oh, we'll just teach it in the moments. Like, no, this is takes a lot of repetition mm-hmm. for people in like a high like risk situation to remember how to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. So when we were kind of talking about uh, you coming on the episode, one of the things yeah. we talked about is sort of outdoor culture and how it kind of can mix with identity, mm-hmm. bodies, gender, sexuality. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how those things intersect, your experience with yeah. it? Yeah, totally. I think t- I mentioned, yeah, that when I was younger starting on these trips, I was closeted. So I like I identify as a queer femme person. And so that in the outdoor industry can be really hard. I'm also fat. And I too want to take a moment to that I use that. I use fat as a way to like reclaim my body and to find empowerment. And I also recognize that for a lot of people, it's a super harmful word and yeah. it's still used in like really violent ways. And it's used to make so many people feel less than. And part of my like journey, both in the outdoors and not in the outdoors and like finding like radical self-love is yeah. is like using the word fat. I mean, like, no, this is a descriptor and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, I love that I'm fat. Like, yeah. I love that I'm queer. Like, yeah. I love it. I mean, there are days I wake up and I'm like, oh, like life is hard. And, but there's also, <laughs> yeah, because it's, re- it is hard. Yeah. Like yeah. it is hard, <laughs> but also like there are more days where I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that like I'm a fat queer femme <laughs> living in the Midwest. In I the love it. Cool. In the outdoors. In the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so for a long time, like guiding and and going on those trips provided like pretty essential spaces for me to kind of like heal and shed all of the all of the things in 
our culture and society, all the things that a lot of people, I mean, we all have internalized fat phobia and it comes out in like so many different ways. And I think going on these trips, not that it wasn't happening. I'm, I'm sure it was. I just don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm not. Saying, well, and your priorities are different it's when you're different. on a trip, right? Yeah. You're focusing on other things. Exactly. You don't have time to yeah. worry about being fat. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, you don't. Yeah. You, you don't, which... Which is awesome because yeah. it's yeah. not, it's not something to change, right? Like yeah. going on these trips and two that like I was being praised for how strong I was. I was being yeah. praised. My body was being seen as something so powerful. My body was carrying a canoe for a mile. My, yeah. you know, like all these things that I think growing up and, and growing up in spaces that, you know, were, there weren't a lot of like positive fat representation in terms of like any media. Yeah. <laughs> right. Period. Just period. 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 But mm-hmm. also like the outdoor, right? Like yeah. I think there are like, you know, there are these some campaigns right now that are like trying, but at the same time, like there's not a lot of I don't see a lot of fat, like queer femme people like I mean, canoeing. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I would love to see that. That's what Me I too. when I was a kid, I also grew up fat and still am and feel good about it. And like when I was a kid, I avoided sports. Mm-hmm. And I re- I recall very vividly, you know, being in PE and not wanting to breathe too hard and then yeah. hurting myself because I didn't want to show people that I was breathing too hard. And and it was dangerous. You yeah, know what I mean? But I, I was totally so, relate to that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, concerned with yeah. like not coming off as like the fat kid who yeah. didn't know how to do, you know, run a, a certain length of my, yeah. or that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. that's why I lo- love the outdoors as well, because yeah. it feels separate from that culture a little bit. And it feels like what you said about your body. It's not about what, how it looks or how it looks to other people. It's about what it can do. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. that I think is really powerful to step away from the the aesthetics of something and really focus on like this is what my body can do this is how it feels when I'm doing something like this exactly yeah. and like how that relates to your specific body too right that right. like yeah it's too about like okay like what can my body do like how can I not then compare it to someone else's and mm-hmm. and so going on these trips and also being led by these incredibly powerful women yeah. who like were like yeah I'm not gonna shave like I'm not showering like whatever yeah. what yeah. like <laughs> are you serious it's like totally different from the rest of the world it is yeah, yeah. and from it feels so good people being like I mean I still don't shave but like people are really uncomfortable when you are like adamantly going against the norm and like yeah. kind of throwing it in their face which yeah. now I'm like yeah I am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like your discomfort is not my responsibility. Yeah. But when I was a kid, it, it took, it was like a lot of like shedding. And I mean, not that I like ended a trip and I was like, huh, like fat phobia healed, like <laughs> yeah. homophobia healed. Like, no, it wasn't like, but it, I think it was like, it was a start. I think it, yeah. it, it opened, a door was open that I didn't know was possible. Mm-hmm. And so that is pretty crucial. And two, I also want to recognize that like going on these trips was like a huge privilege <laughs> too, that like, yeah. Yeah. like I'm white, like I have class privilege. And so like my parents like paying for me to go on these trips while they were incredibly informative, like also shows privilege. And so like that is also something to be like, okay, like th- these are great. And also they're so inaccessible and like yeah. how like mm-hmm. it's like this like 
just like complicated mess of like going on these trips are like so informative and can be so healing for people, but it's also so limited to like who and like who's represented and like also like who can do it depending on like your body and different like disability, like all of yeah. these things. Mm-hmm, right. And so it's like this like mess. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, how do we do this? <laughs> it is. And yeah. it's, yeah. And these, yeah, but these trips were as like a closeted, like fat girl, was so incredible. And then like going to college and, you know, like coming out, like having an additional moment of independence kind of away from how, like what was perceived on me, like as a kid and then going to this, this like hippie crunchy school where it's like, whatever, (laughs) like no shoes. Like, Like, which I wore shoes because I, I, yeah, but like, you know what I mean? Like Mm. it just was like, so different and so I think that also I mean and then on the flip side you know that the outdoor industry is so hyper masculine um and is so there's so much toxic masculinity and it's like super hard to even like try can you talk about what you mean when you say hyper masculinity or I mean uh toxic masculinity. yes totally yeah. yeah yeah so when I'm talking about toxic masculinity I'm specifically talking about the ways in which um like masculine gender norms are praised and encouraged so like um the trap of like being super strong and unemotional mm-hmm. and sort of this like macho culture of like I have no emotions I must be strong I can't ask for help we're gonna do this and we're gonna do it well. And it helps no one. Like no one benefits from that at all. It's harmful for everyone. It's harmful if you identify as like a man, like it, it, it helps no one. Like it, it's really, it's yeah. Like it just, no one benefits from it. It's incredibly harmful. It, it, it's violent. It's just, it's horrible. And so the outdoor industry is totally that because you are doing things that sometimes require a lot of strength. And so it's like, yeah, like I need strength to do this, but doesn't, mean that it should be valued more than someone asking for help or someone doing it in a different way or someone yeah. having assistance and whatever that means to them. And so in environment two, like, I think they're having like a ton of people around the same age, like in their early twenties, like doing stuff also fuels this like super, everyone's like growing and learning, but also guiding. It's just, it's intense. And so you have this hyper masculinity and then it's also, you have this like intense feminine erasure that then people who maybe would want to dress or act or embrace their feminineness in a certain way, feel like they can't because masculinity is so praised that then you like alter like what you wear or like how you interact or like you alter certain things to be like, well, I like don't like I want to wear like my earrings and my whatever I, w- I want to wear a dress. But if I do that when I'm canoeing, I'm going to get like men are going to comment on it. I'm going right. to be like looked. I'm not going to be looked as serious. All of my like training and all of my professionalism will be totally lost because feminine representing people are like not praised in the outdoors or like right. that is not praised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see that a lot in terms of talking about different skill development, I would really encourage everyone to stop using hard and soft skills. I hate that so yeah. much. It like yeah. irks me. Ugh, I think it's so gross because hard and soft skills also totally plays into gender norms and praising like hard skills over soft that like these soft skills of 
you know, pretty crucial things yeah. like group mediation, teamwork, teamwork yeah. effective communication, debriefing. debriefing, skills that like if you don't have, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. And also skills that like as a person in the world is like crucial to like kind and effective communication. Mm-hmm. And so even labeling things like interpersonal and technical yeah. can help kind of undo and unpack the gender norms that are just infiltrated in like every part of life. But yeah come up in the outdoors too because there's this assumption like oh we're in the outdoors we're like not in society which is like well yes and no like it depends on who you're with in the outdoors it depends on how it's being facilitated I mean I've been on trips that are a multi-gender dynamic where gender like it's like we're in the outdoors everyone is on a similar level of experience or that like as a woman in the outdoors I actually have more experience than like some of the men that I'm with and it's like expected me to do all the cooking. It's like, I love to cook. I'm very good at cooking, but you also need to learn how to do this because right. you're a guiding. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you need to teach like the 12 year olds who are coming on your trip might not know how to cook and they deserve the experience for someone to cook them a nice meal. Also to be taught how to cook. And like, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. like, and so I think that, that, that hyper masculinity comes in and then it's like, there's sometimes this counter of like hyper femininity that can also be really toxic and limiting because it just allows no one to be able to be who they are yeah. if, if they don't fit either of those or if they feel trapped in either of those. Yeah. But as a way for myself to help with that, there are like certain things that I do to remind myself of like and to really also undo like my like internalized femphobia of yeah. like, no, I'm going to like wear my jewelry like mm-hmm. I can paddle with earrings in like of course <laughs> yeah, I can yeah I can paddle I mean like I currently have acrylics but when I was guiding I didn't have acrylics unfortunately I feel like that was a really missed opportunity <laughs> to have acrylics but I last summer a good friend of mine was um, getting married and so his bachelor party was fly fishing so we went fly fishing and we're like paddling around and I had my nails on because I was in their wedding and it was part of my look um <laughs> You know, I had to go with my suit, you know, all that. And so I like had the opportunity to um, like stern a canoe with my like long acrylic nails and also portage all day in my long acrylic nails. And I was like, this is incredible. I was like, this, wow, (laughs) everyone should do this. (laughs) I bet you looked great in the photos. Like you probably got really cool photos of you like paddling with your sweet nails. Like like casting a fly rod with my like nails. Like, yeah, this is Patagonia. You should pay me. Yeah. <laughs> FYI. FYI, if uh-huh. you need some, you do <laughs> need some more um, yes. fat people in your ads, slash, yeah. I don't know, extend your sizing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Just uh, call it out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I mean, I think this is perfect that you're on the podcast because, in terms of representation, you know, you're speaking to that experience being yeah. someone different. Like, you know, our listeners are going to listen to this and be like, oh, like, Maybe I should do a wilderness trip. You should. Like, yeah, yeah, you should. And maybe and I can still like, yeah. be myself on that yeah. wilderness trip. I don't right. need to adjust, you know, how I, pr- or maybe I can let go a little bit and yeah. adjust how I want to present on that trip because it's really not about, you know, those things. You can just, you know, present how you want to and look how you want to without having to worry about other folks because, you know, we're out here canoeing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We yeah, yeah. priorities. We, yeah. yeah, we have things yeah, to do. Stuff to worry about. Yeah, and the moment that you allow yourself to come in your full self, the more fun you're going to have, the more meaningful it's going to I mean, I have like a very clear memory of sort of, I mean, this was even only a couple years ago, but like 
in when I was guiding sort of these longer trips when I, you know, like in super hot days, it, it would be so typical to wear like your life jacket and your sports bra and like shorts. But mm-hmm. like as like a fat person, I was like, oh, that feel like I was like, I don't know, yeah. like my stomach's going to be out. And I finally had this realization. I was like, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. in the middle of the tundra. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm like covered. Like it's an appropriate thing for me to wear as like a guide. But yeah. like what like why like why like I'm like totally body shaming myself out of one not wearing something that would make me more like physically comfortable because it's like 80 degrees out right and like it's really warm but also like of course I can wear of course I can wear that like I like of course but I mean it does take that time to be like wait the moment I do that my day is gonna be better because I'm just gonna be more like regulated or I can like swim it'll be easier for me to like do like a midday swim, like things like that. And so I agree, like the moment that you just show up and give yourself that gift and whatever that means to you, like I think that it can take a long time to get there and I don't want to like dismiss that work and how hard that could be. But there are a lot of incredible organizations and people who are allowing that space and or for you to like go with your friends and be like, hey, like, yeah, we're going to like wear our sports bras and our shorts and we're going to like let our stomach roll shine because like we deserve that. (laughs) Yeah. Because you do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you do. Like let it out. really good. And it does. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not be confined. Exactly. Yeah. Not be confined. (laughs) And like you just like you deserve that as like a person. Awesome. Yeah. I'm inspired. We always have these guests and then I'm like, I'm so inspired. I also feel inspired. Like, honestly, okay. So I am not fat. I have always been skinny. Who cares? Whatever. (laughs) I I also have like those issues with my body. Like I wear one piece swimsuits with shorts and that's partly kind of a gender thing for me and like an identity thing. But also like the couple times I've ever not done that and just worn a sports bra and shorts, I've been like, oh, this feels so good. But (laughs) then I don't want anybody to see me. So like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what your body looks like too. Like we can all have those issues and like those feelings. And yeah. Yeah. The outdoors is the place to to do The place to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Take up that space. Like take up that space and like allow yourself to be in the sun too like yeah, yeah like yeah like, do that be embrace it be in the sun you know sun's out tums out you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> i love it i love that <laughs> awesome so this has been such a great conversation let's end with like a quick takeaway like what would you say to girls who are interested in getting into wilderness trips expeditions or just like outdoor experiences like maybe they don't have experience but they want to go for a short hike like what would be like a tip you would give them like to say you've already given us a lot of great <laughs> tips but like something kind of a like to wrap it up a little bit or totally yeah, yeah that's a, that's a great question I would say you know to recognize where you're at and like be really proud of like where you're at in in that journey and that like going to your local park for the afternoon is awesome and a great way to start if you're like, I don't know, like this, I'm a little uncomfortable. There's, I really, I don't believe in a hierarchy of outdoor travel or like what is better because I think that's so dependent on you and your experience and your challenge level. Like just because of like what I have done doesn't mean that your experience is any less, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not like to be competitive, I think defeats the joy of being outside. And so I would connect with your local area of sort of what's near you to start. If, if you're really new to it, what's near you? If 
you're in a troop, like maybe that's a really great way to connect with the other folks, your other troop members to kind of figure out like, what do we want to do? Maybe there's like a buddy in your troop that you're at the same level with and you want to go on a walk together. Do it. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe your family is interested in starting. Awesome. Like, you know, rent a tent or get a tent or a tarp and camp in your backyard or camp at a local state park. You know, there's so many ways to get outside. That being said, it also can be really hard to get outside. It can be really scary to go on a hike because you're by, like, you might be by yourself or with, you know, like with an adult, but like, it's all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's different noises and we might have to like navigate a trail. And so start where you're at. There's some really great areas. Like, I, I think like any REI would have a they do all these like different sort of free or like pretty cheap trainings. Like mm-hmm. River Valleys has a ton of awesome resources mm-hmm. too. I mean, there's all the badges. I mean, really start where you're at. But also if you're like, hey, like I've been camping and I and I want more, that's awesome too. And mm-hmm. so I would encourage you to connect with your like council to see what like camp opportunities they have. And if they don't have what you're looking for, there's so many um, great sort of national-based organizations that do pretty extensive tripping, like Outward Bound and Knowles. If you're looking for experiences that are pretty identity-specific, um, there's some great queer and trans-specific backcountry organizations. There's also like Knowles and Outward Bound also both have like identity-specific, like trips specifically for folks of color, trips specifically for queer and trans people. So I think too, there's also value in wanting those experiences with folks that like share your identities and your experiences to make it feel more more safe in an environment that can feel really uncomfortable and unsafe. So I feel like that's probably pretty vague, but I think that like, but yeah, that I, you know, searching, like, you know, utilizing Google, utilizing Instagram, Facebook, utilizing sort of your connections. Like it's, it's amazing how many people in your life have probably known someone that has done an experience that you're looking for Mm -hmm. and can direct you to something like, oh yeah, actually like, you know, my friend's like child did that, you know, like there are those connections. So I'd urge you to, to seek them out because it's worth it. There's also a lot of those programs do have financial aid and grant options. And so in terms of like financial accessibility, the options are there and cause you also deserve to, to go. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so Grace also has some ways, some Instagram (laughs) folks that she would recommend to sort of curate your feed in a way that's really empowering. So we're going to include some of those, some of those accounts in the show notes so you can check them out there. Yeah. It just, I mean, I think part of finding empowerment in the outdoors is also unfollowing all the people that make you feel bad in the outdoors or just in general. I think I love Instagram, huge fan of social media. It has helped me in my own journey of self-love, but also I've unfollowed a lot of people and accounts that don't make me feel good diversifying your feed, not only to find accounts that look like you, but also I think especially if you're white in the outdoors, it's really important to diversify your feed, to constantly work and remind yourself that like the outdoors isn't just white. (laughs) It's not just for whiteness. It's not just for people with like able-bodied people. It's not just for cis people. It's not just for straight people. It's or thin people. It's for everyone. And so diversifying that feed is like a really great way to do that and also to like build community and also a lot of those accounts have chapters in cities and that you can go on hikes with them 
which is an awesome way to connect and meet people. Sweet. Sweet. We will definitely share those. That'll be great for people to check out. Totally. Our typical end to our episode is that we do a would you rather question. Mm -hmm. And Idel has one prepared. And the the way we do this is that you and I, Grace and I, don't know the the question. But Idel does. um, And she's going to share it now. It's a big surprise. The reveal. (laughs) Sweet. Okay. Would you rather know the history of every object you touched or be able to talk to animals? Whoa. <laughs> I finally stopped <laughs> Hannah. I'm usually like immediate. I don't know if I'm like a binary thinker or what, but like whenever <laughs> these questions come up, I'm always like, this one. No uh, thought obviously. necessary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm always like, oh, I didn't pick a hard enough one. <laughs> uh, can we ask like clarifying questions about the. Yeah. Sometimes we make some parameters. We can. Yeah. Yeah. So. Any object that I touch, I would know the like the history in terms of like that specific object object's history or the history of like of that object like in society. <laughs> That's the history, right? yeah. So like, if you touch a rock, you'd know all the places it had been. Or if you oh, touched okay. uh, like a piece of wood, you'd know where it had been or if you touched your water bottle you would you would like see in your mind the shelf at the store that it, like, where <laughs> it was manufactured yeah, yeah. like if it would be kind of cool to sort of interact with like you know like go to a thrift store like a vintage yeah. store and and spooky and see <laughs> yeah. like who's worn that and like what you know yeah. why they liked it and that kind of thing. Or like a piece kind of, of art or a historic object or mm. an arrowhead or, yeah. you know, an old car. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And or talk to animals. And it'd be in like, in this, like, I would just talk and the animal could like understand me and then yeah. it would like talk back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Cause, cause if <laughs> I'm like really overthinking this, I'm just like, do they, can animals, uh-huh. like, have the intelligence to do that? Like, what would they say? <laughs> right. like, We're going to say... In this scenario, yes. they, they can speak intelligently about their experience. Yeah, right? you'd but, at least know, no, yeah. like, for, like in terms of pets, like, you'd know what they wanted. You'd know how they were feeling. And, like, wild animals, you might be able to, to interact in a way that's like, okay, I'm not scary, let's... Share this space. Like if I saw like a fish, I'd be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like. Blah, blah, blah. And the fish would be like, whoa. <laughs> what's Dude, happening? quit poking me with that paddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, ah, man, I really like animals a lot. But I think I would pick the, the knowing the history of the objects thing. Because mm-hmm. I think it kind of fits the outdoor theme. I feel like it would be really cool to be able to understand the history of like really big trees mm-hmm. or like yeah. certain things like that or or yeah like going to vintage store and like learning about those things and I just find it really interesting you know a lot of the history that we learn is about like the most important you know or quote most important people in history right like mm-hmm. the people that you know historians have decided made a certain type of impact but so much of history is like groups of people or like regular normal yeah. people like yeah. living their lives and doing things so like i like the idea of kind of learning about that based on like simple objects yeah so that's what i would pick cool. i still went first even though i mean i know didn't have <laughs> so in this trees would or like plants would be considered object? yeah okay yeah 
than that. Yeah, it'd be cool to like talk to my plants I have and be like, how can I not accidentally kill you? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're not talking to the plants. You're oh, knowing you're touching. Your okay. Yeah, yeah, well, then yeah. maybe, yeah. Like any oh, sort yeah, of yeah. inanimate thing. Okay, then I would do that because I think talking to animals would freak me out. <laughs> I don't know. I like don't. I like. We're good on animals. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, animals. I just. We're good. I don't know. Like we can just do our own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to pick the same thing, even though. So I have a puppy and I'm constantly. He's just like sitting there staring at me like do something. And I'm like, I don't know what you want. <laughs> so even though that would be really nice to have him be able to tell me what he wants and like why he's frustrated with me and like to talk to wild animals. I do think it would be very cool to know the history of objects and you just feel really connected to every space you're in, natural spaces and human made spaces. So yeah, it's a consensus yeah. all around. Wow. It doesn't happen very often. I bet it won't be in the in the general world. I'd no. be interested to to hear what you think. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Think about think about what you would pick. Talk about it with your friends. All right. All right. Thanks, Grace. Thanks. Thank you so much for having great. me. Yeah. Now it's time for girls' pick. Hi, my name is Aria and I'm a sophomore. And these are my picks. I like Khalid because his music is very relaxing and I feel like the meaning of the songs really speak to me. Cardi B is also one of my top artists. She is always bold and always speaking her mind. Finally, my favorite, BTS. I've listened to their music for about six years, and I fell in love with their messages and all they do for their fans. Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our host is Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson and edited by Sarah Mikatel. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.